Well, hello, Fellowship family. It's great to be with you as we get into God's Word. Um, I have a question for you as we start, however, and it's going to kind of guide our time here. Here's the question. Let me see if I can actually get that on there. Survey said. All right, we needed the switch over. There it is. Whoa, I, I went back too far. Okay, here it is. If God gave you whatever you asked of him, what would you ask for? Have you ever thought of that one? If God said, I'll give you whatever you ask, what would you ask for? Why don't you tell someone next to you after you answer that question, tell them your answer. Go ahead. You can talk in church. It's okay. This is now the fifth time I've asked this this question, either preparing for up for the week with our run-through time or through our services this weekend. And I've heard a whole bunch of different answers. I heard one guy say, I'd like three more wishes, please. You know, that's <laughs> just the classic thing to do, right? Uh, and the answers also go, went into money, into health, into a job, into a relationship, into a child. I mean, wherever we're at will influence that, that answer there. But God actually did, around 3,000 years ago, showed up to a guy named Solomon and asked him, what, I'll give you whatever you ask. And what did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom. The book of Proverbs, if you have your Bibles, open up there to Proverbs 1, and we're going to look at also chapter 2 today. And as we look at that verse, as we look at that passage in the passages of, of chapter 1 and chapter 2, it starts out like this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And there was Solomon. He was given this leadership position, and he had massive shoes to fill. I mean, David, we just read of him as a man after God's own heart. Far from perfect, okay? But he had a heart to keep God at the center of his life. When he messed up, he sought forgiveness, and he kept, he kept Israel worshiping. He helped build and raise the funds and the resources for the temple. And Solomon actually builds the temple. And he sees this huge responsibility over him. And God says, I'll give you whatever you ask. And he goes, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. The people are great. They're many. The challenges are huge. I need your wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for money and because you didn't ask for length of days, because you didn't even ask for revenge on your enemies, I'll give you not only wisdom, but I'll give you everything that flows out of wisdom. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you, I'll give you re- responsibility. I'll give you blessing. I'll give you long years of life. And, and it says of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4, it says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. And breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. The people of the east was probably up in Babylon area or Assyria. And then to the south was Egypt. Those were the mega superpowers of the world at that time. And here in this little country named Israel, right placed right in between them at this this. Uh, vulnerable little place in the history of the world at that time was Israel with the wisest man on the earth. And all the nations came to him and sought his wisdom. Today, today, we have, we have the wisdom of God. We have the wisdom that Solomon asked for 3,000 years ago and received. And one of the places we can read about much of it is in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 all the way to chapter thirty 
1. And we're not going to read all of them, but we are going to read the first few chapters of it so that we can understand what does it mean to be wise and to understand the context in which we are called to be wise and then how to grow in wisdom. So let's look at that first one and how, what does it mean to be wise? And look at chapter 1 beginning with verse 2 with me. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. And so here, we're being invited in so that not we can just understand it and know it, but that we can actually be wise. The book of Proverbs is an invitation for you to grow in wisdom, for you to be wise, because you have a God. You have a heavenly Father who wants every one of you to be not only his children, but to be wise as children in the light, no longer in the darkness. So this passage explains to us what does it mean to be wise. Here's my answer. I'll give you the answer, and then we'll go back and kind of reverse engineer it. My answer to what does it mean to be wise, it means that I'm growing. I'm growing in the knowledge, understanding, understanding, discernment, and experience of the grace and truth of God. Let's take a look at this. Here, the first thing is that I'm growing. The wise always are growing. It says in verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. That's one thing that you'll learn about a wise person if you spend time with them. They're always teachable. There's always something. They always know their limitations. They know what others have that they need in, in a situation of wisdom, and they seek counsel of other wise people, and they listen to it, and they follow it. They're always growing. They're always growing, not just in what they know, but in who they are and in their exercising of what is wise. And they're growing in four areas. The first one they're growing in is knowledge. This is what is. This is what is truth, what is good, what is right. What is God's will? What is God's way? A wise person is always understanding what God is saying to them. That's what it means to grow in the knowledge of God. You can't grow in what you don't know. But once you know it, then you need to go a little bit deeper. You need to go to that area of understanding. And understanding is the whole why. Why does God say this to you? Why do you need this? Why does he call it good and right and just? What is it about it that we need that? Now, I will tell you, in raising children, you, you have to use both of these. You can't just say, don't touch the oven, okay? Don't go in that room, don't get in my car. I mean, you can say all those don'ts, right? Those are the what. That's the knowledge of commands that you give children. But it really helps if they have an understanding of why, okay? And it's got to be more than because I said so, okay? I mean, because I said so, although it just makes sense to you and it gives you that exclamation point of authority on whatever you say, the kids, frankly, especially our adolescents, they kind of go, okay, whatever. They don't really catch it. And when you can explain not just what to do, but why you need to do it, my goodness, the potential of that wisdom will we'll have, have more of a potential of actually getting applied in life. So to be wise means that I'm growing in what I know and why it's there for me, why it's wisdom and, and true. And then the third area is discernment. And the book of Proverbs is really going to unpack for us how to apply this amongst a variety of different topics. 
there's, there's well over 30 or 40 different topics of these 31 chapters of, of the book of Proverbs. And they all show us, uh, give us insight using figurative and rich language over how to apply this in our lives. And once we know what to do and why to do it and how to do it, then there's this other one of just applying it. And that's where we grow in experience. And these are where we build up stories. Do you realize God is writing his story through your life? And when you're a follower of God, you're trusting him to no longer, uh, you know, go your own way on your own will, but to allow him through his will and his way to write a new story in you. Like one of our vision, our vision here at Fellowship Bible Church is transform lives, leaving a godly legacy. Because God is working in our story. Every one of you has a story. And if you're going to be wise, God is going to write that story. And he writes it through experience, which is why it's so important. Look what it says in verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Here so many times in the book of Proverbs you hear my son listen to my instruction. That's a father giving it to his son, giving his experience to his son. Or listen to your mother's words. That's a mother giving her experience to her son or daughter. We need to be experienced in it. That very word experience is where we get our word expert. In the same way that I don't use a biology 101 course in my freshman year of college to warrant that I should operate on someone, okay? Neither should anyone just, no one gets wise overnight. This takes time. It takes experience. You become an expert by experiencing the wisdom of God. Not just knowing it or understanding or making decisions, but experience in the blessing of it. And so I want to give you now the context of wisdom. As we read through the book of Proverbs, there's going to be three people we meet. They're called the wise, the foolish, and the evil. Henry Cloud, in his book, Necessary Endings, details each one of these three. If you want a deeper understanding of this, buy that book and read it. I've read it. I've also listened to him teach. I think he does a wonderful job in explaining the three types of people we'll meet in life because we meet them in the book of Proverbs. And as we look at them, I want to talk to you about three areas. And that's what I've got the three icons on the left-hand side. The light represents the truth of God. The heart represents the grace of God. And the action clicker there is what do we do with these people when they're in our lives? So let's go through this. When it comes to the wise, when the light of the truth come into their lives, they change to reflect the truth. This is really important. It's really important because so many times we think of the wise as never making mistakes, always being, always being right, and always being perfect, and we can never be wise because they'll never be like that. But really, what the scriptures tell us is the pattern and the wake of a wise person is that they have the history of change. So that when the truth of God confronts them with a way in their lives that it's not consistent, they change. So a wise person is changing. They're always aligning to the truth and the righteousness of God. And when it comes to their relationships, wise people are always going deep with love and wide with humility. In other words, they don't count themselves over other people. They count other people as more important than themselves. And so when you are talking to a wise person, they are listening to you to understand, not win the argument, right? And when the wise person is communicating, they're seeking to be understood. So they're sensitive to you. They, they want to get to know you so that they can communicate in the wisest way possible to your heart. 
So love and humility are just going to be those two values that you think of when you have a wise person in your life. When you confront a wise person and say, man, when you said that, it hurt me because this is how I took it. They go, my goodness, I don't want to hurt you. They don't go, well, you're so insecure. I would imagine anyone would think that way. I mean, you can, you can see a foolish person always defending themselves, but a wise person leans in and forgives. They're the first to forgive. And so what do you do when you have a wise person in your life? You find them, and you hang on to them, and you follow them. You know, the book of Proverbs talks about wise people. It says that the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. You need people in your life who can tell you the truth. You need people in your life who will forgive you. You need people. How are they attracted to you? By you being wise. Wise don't like to hang around foolish or evil people. They like the wise. So by being wise, it's interesting. When I'm wise in relationships, I tend to get more wise people around me. Wise people like to hang around wise people because they see correction. They see advice. They see counsel as life-giving, not life-threatening. Okay, so hang on to all the wise people you can have in your life. You can never have enough of them because they're always growing and you'll grow with them. So then there's the foolish, per- foolish person. And the foolish person, instead of, instead of changing to reflect the truth when the truth comes into their lives, they tend to change the truth so they don't have to change. So a foolish person, when they're late for work for six times in two weeks, and you go, why were you late for work now? Well, my cat, I accidentally threw my cat into the dryer or something like that. You get all the excuses. Sorry about cat lovers this, this morning. I just, I had it in me to make a foolish statement. Okay, forgive me, please. But as, as they, they always have different, they have different excuses for different things that come up and they don't deal with the truth well, so they'd rather change the truth so they don't have to change. And so if you're in relationship with a foolish person, you're going to have conflict and strife. They're always going to be upturning boats. Everyone's going to have to change so that they can keep doing what they're doing. And so what do you do with a foolish person in your life? You have to place boundaries around a foolish person. You have to be willing to confront them with the truth. And as I think about this, as you place boundaries around a fool, uh, a fool by the way, Henry Cloud also wrote a book on boundaries. It's his number one bestseller. Read that book if you want to know about boundaries. But one of the things you do if you're in an organization with a fool is you build a policy manual. That's what those policy manuals are. Because every policy, and I'm just telling you a little bit behind the scenes work on different organizations I've worked with, every policy has a name, okay? Why do we give someone, you know, one or two excuses on being late for work? But why do we have boundaries around that and confront people with it? Because Bob tried using 12 different excuses for being late to work. I remember when I was running a camp in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'd hire around 30 high schooler and college students to run that camp for 12 weeks with me during the summer. My policy manual started out just like that. It was so thin. And when I got done after six, six years, it was about that thick. Why? Why don't we drive golf carts at full speed, come, you know, uh, right in front of the cabins? Why? Because do you remember, 
Remember when Tony was driving the, driving the golf cart and that, that unsuspecting fourth grader walked outside of their cabin and was hit by that golf cart and the parent went ballistic on us and Tony was fired. I mean, Tony is the reason we have that policy because of foolishness. And so, so with that, we have to confront, we have to place boundaries. And then there's the evil person. By the way, that passage for the foolish person in Proverbs 12 says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. How many times have you talked to a fool who goes, I'd like to think that. Well, that's what you think, but I think, okay? They make their own rules. They don't like living under anyone else's rule. But a wise man listens to advice. And then final, the evil person. The evil person does not live in reality. They try to destroy the truth because it's too threatening. It's, it's too personal for them. It would affect their lives. They don't want to do that. So they want to destroy the truth. And so if you are in relationship with an evil or a wicked person, there is deception and abuse. And it is sad. And it is, it is uh, scarring in relationships and in your life. And so what does the book of Proverbs say about the wicked and evil people? Flee them. Protect yourself from them. It's why we have lawyers, guns, and money. <laughs> because we put that barricade up and we, we confront and we protect ourselves. Look what Proverbs 4 says. It says, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not, turn on, do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. In other words, how many negative statements do you get here? Run from them. Run from them. Because if you have friends who are wicked, if you have friends who are evil, they will drag you down that path. It's really, really hard, really, really hard to navigate that with navigate life with wicked and evil people. Now, let me just ask you before we move on. As you look at these three types of people, which person do you want to be? Okay, we're going to all say that at the count of three. Tell me which person you want to be out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Good, I heard no double syllables, okay? I didn't hear any double syllables. No one said foolish, evil, okay? And all I would tell you is we all want to be wise. We all want to be wise. That's the slow pitch of the day. None of us ever wake up in the morning and go, oh, Lord, make me foolish today. (laughs) Uh, When someone offends us, even on kind of a bad morning, we don't go, God, help me just to be evil incarnate to them, okay? We don't ask for that. But depending on the topic and depending on your own weakness or brokenness or insecurity, you and I can operate either wise, foolishly, or evil. We can. Some of us are so good with money. We give, we save, we spend all within limits. We are so wise in that. But when someone gives you criticism, you unleash on them and you make it so personal on their lives and you unfriend them and you persecute them until they apologize to you because you're foolish when it comes to conflict. Some of us are so great at conflict, we can navigate through it with truth and grace and restore great relationships, but our finances are a mess, are a mess, and we're acting foolishly with those, depending on the topic. I've known... Because I've opened up my life to the wisdom of God. I've known there are areas in my life that are still foolish. And I need the wisdom of God. It is good to know those areas. And it is good to know those environments where you and people even better than you have fallen. So you don't give in to foolishness and you don't go down the evil way. And so with that, 
I want to talk to you since you told me, everyone in this room, thank, thankfully, you told me because I asked, what kind of person you want to be, you told me you want to be wise. Then I want to show you from this passage, from a passage in Proverbs chapter 2, how to grow in wisdom. This is really practical, so let's take a look at this. In Proverbs chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. If you're in your Bible right now, just flip the page or it's on the other side of uh, the open page of your Bible. In chapter one of, uh, chapter 2 of verse 1, it says this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your vo- voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and your knowledge will be, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Okay, how do you grow in wisdom? First point, we have to seek it like a treasure. That's the first point. You want to grow in wisdom, it has to be important to you. Think about it. You're already seeking treasure. It's just not always wisdom. Because whatever you seek as a treasure, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And it's the thing that our hearts will align to whatever we treasure. Here the scriptures say, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. God says, seek it. Seek it as one of your greatest priorities. It's the greatest gift he could ever give you is the wisdom of God. Jesus himself in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul calls him the wisdom of God. So when you have Jesus, you have the wisdom of God in your life. The wisdom of God has to be your treasure. And so I want to encourage you to pursue a daily direction that leads to a wise destination. And I mentioned earlier that no one becomes wise overnight. As much as I'd love to have, you know, an angel appear and go, Joe, what do you want? Wisdom. And now I'm wise, okay? It doesn't work like that. It takes time. It takes a daily direction for us to seek this treasure that God has to give to us. It gives a daily daily turning over of our lives to the wisdom of God to allow him to teach us, to give us knowledge and understanding and discernment. And then as we follow it, experience. We need to pursue a daily direction. So how do we do this? One of the ways I was encouraged to do this many years ago was to pick a proverb that aligned with the day of the month. So August 22nd, uh, not 22nd, August 2020, (laughs) two. Wow. Hello, Joe. Good morning. Um, Today is August 7th. So you would read Proverbs 7, okay? That chapter. And that's what I did this morning. And what happens is I'm putting my life in front of the great treasure of God. I'm opening up the treasure chest and I'm receiving the wisdom of God. I read through that. You can read it in under five minutes every morning and you can get the wisdom of God. You at least are put in front of it in a place where it's more likely for it to move through your life. 
And uh, by the way, there's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in the book in the month of August. I know some of you are saying it already. What about February? Okay. (laughs) Then just read to the 28th chapter and start over March 1st. You'll get there eventually, okay? Or if you really want to, you know, go for it. Read four chapters in one day if you want to get to the end of it. But this is just a daily process. I have a friend, uh, Rick, Rick Tag, who, who goes through a proverb every morning. And when I'm talking to him, it's interesting. He'll, he'll start reciting a proverb he's memorized. And I usually, while he's talking, I go, what day is it? What day is it? And I usually find it on that day. Because he puts himself in front of the wisdom of God so that it begins to be something his life is at home with. Remember, a wise person changes to reflect the truth. Okay, put it in your day. Secondly, receive it like a gift. Look what it says in verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom. God is the giver and the sustainer of wisdom. It says, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Think with me what this is. You not only have God handing out wisdom in in this figurative language, you have God storing up wisdom. Think about his storehouses of wisdom, what is right and true and good and best and loving for you. Think about his truth and his grace. That's a pretty big storehouse, and he wants to share it with you. So receive it. Receive it like a gift. None of us earn this. None of us deserve it. There's thousands of years of history on God's wisdom. There's even history before the world began from eternity to eternity. We will always be growing in wisdom when we're following who God is. And we got to receive it like a gift. Think about that, that gift. When you get a gift, there's anticipation, there's expectation in your life. What is it? What is it? And when you know it was something specifically for you, we have to open the gift that God has given to you. Open up that word. And when you get wisdom for an area in your life where you know you need it, you may feel humiliated a little bit that God's word is telling it to you. Sometimes God's word messes with me. In other words, I don't like to hear what he's telling me. But a wise person is open to the wisdom of God. Open that gift. Open your life. Make it available to him to speak to, to move, to lead and direct, which is the third area. Follow it like a map. God, through wisdom, is guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then, through wisdom, you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. Why? Because wisdom's your map. This is the direction that God wants you to go. Follow his wisdom like a map. Now, I grew up with these maps. Remember those maps? Can I get an amen from anyone who knows what that is? Okay, all right. So that was a map, and we stored them in places which no longer carry gloves. It was called the glove compartment in the car. (laughs) Now we put all the storage right in between the driver and the passenger. Now Then it was that little thing that could fit these maps. And when you started unfurling these maps, they would take the entire front area of the car. It's amazing more accidents weren't caused by trying to read a map. And I remember in high school and college, we didn't have GPS kits. I'll tell you, in my day, (laughs) sorry, I'm really sounding old now when I say that. We had these maps, and I remember even wondering and driving, continuing to drive because men never ask for directions, 15, 20 minutes to realize, where am I on this map? And am I headed in the right direction? 
And then this happened. We have GPS. Kids, you just plug in where you're going. You say it out loud. Take me to Culver's. And boom, you've got a map. You've got a direction. You're here. You need to go there. Turn right. When you make the wrong turn, make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. In 300 feet, make a U-turn. I mean, it, it continually is reminding you because those maps guide us. That's the purpose of a map. That's the purpose of the wisdom of God in Proverbs. You are here. Are you wise? Are you foolish? Are you being evil? This is wisdom. This is where you need to go. This is it. Make a U-turn. <laughs> Don't go down that road. People before you have learned this. This is what they find. Turn around, turn left, turn right, go straight, follow the path. I mean, the wisdom of God is always going to guide us down the will and the way of God. And you have it. (laughs) Just want to remind you, I don't want to insult you, it's right in front of you. The great treasure of the wisdom of God is right. Open it up, receive it, and follow it like a map. Follow it like a map. I know I know in a world of, of, of people who don't like to be reminded they're wrong or that they took the wrong turn. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm one of those guys. It's sometimes insulting to get a turn left or make a U-turn, but we get there. We only get to wisdom when we make those changes, and a wise person makes changes to reflect the truth. So when you're reading the book of Proverbs and when you focus in on one or two verses each day, I would go deep with them and ask the question, God, how can I align my life to this proverb or to this wisdom in thought, in the words I'm saying, in the actions I'm doing? How can I align my life to that? Because that's the purpose of a map. Align your life to a good direction that leads to a wise destination. Follow it like a map. And then finally, oh, by the way, let me share this picture with you. For years, this was in my dad's office at his company. And I remember just as a little kid walking by there, and I used to vacuum his office because in a family business, I would always do that kind of stuff. I was the youngest of four. And so I was vacuuming or I was cleaning up and I looked at this thing and I realized, that's Jesus talking to a businessman. How about that? Now, I know that Jesus always looks Swedish in a lot of the pictures of that. But I started thinking... I started thinking, now that I'm a pastor and have my own office, what would it look like for Jesus to sit down and talk to me? Am I open to being corrected by the wisdom of God in the flesh, Jesus, in my life? Am I, do I have some time where I listen to what God is saying through his spirit in my life, where I'm, where where I process my life with Jesus? See, every picture of our relationship with God is we have the Father over us, we have the Son beside us, we have the Spirit within us as a follower of Jesus. That is not a distant relationship. That's not a one-hour segmented week where I go to church kind of relationship. That's a fluid relationship where he's with us wherever we're at. There's never a place we're alone. There's never a place where we're forgotten or forsaken. We have Jesus with us all the time, guiding us into the truth. That's what you see Jesus even talking and trying to teach his disciples about the role of the Spirit in our lives who will guide us into truth, the wisdom of God and the Spirit through us. Final thing, enjoy it like a prized possession. 
Enjoy it like a prized possession. Look what it says wisdom will do. If you, if you seek it, and when you find it to follow it, look what it will be. Wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. This is safety. This is security. This is being at home. This is that Sabbath rest that the scriptures talk about. And it's yours. This side of heaven. This side of heaven. When you pursue the wisdom of God. And so it's meant to be enjoyed. Enjoyed. And there's so many things that we prize in our lives. There's cars and there's homes and there's hobbies and there's vacations and there's relationships or a relational status that we long to be in and and we prize with our lives. They get our time, they get our energy, they get our thoughts, they get our processing. They can own us, which is why the scriptures know that about the human heart. That's who we are. We have to come to Jesus and enjoy him, make him our greatest possession. And when wisdom, the wisdom of God is a prized possession in your life, then you'll live out an experiential relationship with the wisdom of God in Jesus. So it's important that when you follow it like a map, that you write down what happens in your life, because that's the book of Proverbs. Son, listen up. This is what dad has learned. Daughter, listen up. This is what mom has learned when she has taken wise paths. I've learned this through foolishness. I've learned this through evil. I've learned this walking with him, and I've learned this when I've wandered away from him. We have the opportunity to transfer it because we enjoy it. We're at home with it. We're at home with wisdom. So here's what I want you to do. When you feel that God has shown you a wise path, I want you to take notes. In other words, what has God blessed you with or what has God saved you from because you pursued a wise direction, because you followed him? And here's what I'll tell you. You'll get some stories. You know how it means to, be, to grow wise? Is that you're growing, you're growing in knowledge and understanding and discernment and experience in the truth and the grace of God. So here's what I want you to do as we close. Think about one area in your life right now where if God were to give you wisdom, it would be a huge blessing to you. You need his wisdom in this area. What is that area? Some of you, it might be your children. I need to be a wise father or a wise mother. And my kids really need me to be wise. I need to say the wise thing, do the wise thing, think the wise thing. Because right now I'm riding the emotional roller coaster and I want to be wise. Some of us, it might be our careers where people around us might be compromising us or where we're tempted to walk away because we don't think things are fair. We want to be wise. So we need the wisdom of God with our jobs. Some of us, we have conflict and we stay away from that person and we've withheld love from them. But we want to be wise right now. We don't want to seek revenge. We know that God wants us to forgive. We just don't know how to do it. We need the wisdom of God in that relationship. Some of us just received a health diagnosis that we don't know what to do with. And there's so many different options out there, so many different therapies. Which one is best for me? Which is the wise decision with all my circumstances? That wisdom is from God, and he wants to give it to you. And so what I want you to do now, just as we close, is to bow your head right now before the Lord, and I want you to give him that area and ask him for his wisdom. 
Just a simple prayer. God, you know that I need wisdom in fill in the blank. Please give me your wisdom so that I can be wise and do the right and good and best thing in that situation. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here who reached out to you, who sought you. You are the giver of wisdom and your storehouses are great with wisdom. We recognize and we can only imagine how great the wealth of your wisdom is in you. Thank you for sharing some of it with us. I pray that we all would give you the glory when we see you work, that you would show us what you save us from when we're wise, when we make a wise decision or pursue a wise path. And that we would return thanks when you show it to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Give us the wisdom of your word and the wisdom of your people in our lives. May we prize it as a great possession. Seek it like a treasure. Follow it like a map. And may we grow in wisdom. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.